0: You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K.
1: Sim jacking is getting to be a big problem again, and sim jacking is one way that cyber criminals can bypass a multi factor authentication. So, an authenticator app is the best way to go. But still, you know, text based MFA is better than no MFA.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. We've got some good stories to share this week, and later in the show, author Frank Riccardi joins us. He's talking about password reuse. But first, a word from our sponsor, Before. Where would InfoSec professionals be without users making security mistakes? Working less than 60 hours per week, perhaps. Actually having a weekend every so often. We get it. User behavior can be a challenge. But users can also be an InfoSec professional's greatest asset, once properly equipped. What do we mean by that? will stay with us and in a few minutes we'll hear from our sponsors at no before on that very question. All right, Joe, before we jump into our stories here, we have a couple of items of
0: follow-up. You want to kick things off for us here? Yeah, Steve writes in to say, talking about our last episode with the 23andMe breach, he says, I do want to push back to some degree on the statement that 23andMe has no responsibility for the recent hack. Now, if you recall, uh, this is going to tie into our interview today, Mm. but 23andMe uh, had a data breach, but the data breach was caused by users having their passwords reused on other sites. Right. And people performed a, some malicious actor performed a credential stuffing attack that wound up leaking DNA data of 23andMe users out. Right. 23andMe said this is not our responsibility because uh, we didn't lose control of the passwords. The users just had bad password hygiene. Yeah. Uh, Steve takes issue with that stance. Yeah. He says, I contend a company that has sensitive information, uh, such as DNA, uh, have a responsibility to check for common and hacked passwords on accounts these days. If mm. they ran a small internet forum on some subject, then yes, there's no need to be that vigilant. Uh, but when you make sensitive uh, information like this available, there's more responsibility to protect it.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: he said there are methods for checking passwords from breaches and commons, common usage to prevent them uh, for forced changes. He then goes on to cite his personal experience, saying the company platforms he worked on for the past five years uh, they've implemented functions on on their business systems that do this. Uh, Amazon does this, Dave. Oh yeah. Amazon will notify you if your password is is in a breach. Mm. And and they don't know your password. What they're mm. doing is they're using some of their massive cloud infrastructure and they're just hashing passwords. Uh, you know, they're acting as if the breach has happened and they're seeing if your password shows up on a list of known passwords.
2: So they're comparing hashes
0: well, they, Basically. They, well not, you can't really compare hashes. What they actually have to do is they have to take your salt yeah. because Amazon stores it as a salted hash. Uh-huh. Sounds delicious, but it's actually good security practice. <laughs>
2: okay. um, All right. So, well, I, I, my my going into the weeds alarm yeah, is blinking. Okay, is yeah, just yeah, screaming at me. Amazon so. tests your passwords. <laughs> okay. They don't know yeah. your passwords.
0: They just test the bad right. list and see if they can figure it out. If yeah. you get a match, they notify you, and they say, change your password, it's been breached.
2: I, I don't think Steve's point is unreasonable I don't here. think it is either. I think certainly uh, for any new account, he's right. The resources are there. They're readily available. Right. That if you try to put something in that has shown up in a password breach, you know, the the uh, probably the most famous uh, database is Have I Been Pwned. Yeah, Troy Hunt's database.
0: Troy yeah. actually offers... Uh, I don't know if he offers it to everybody, but he does have a list of SHA two fifty six hashes mm. uh, of all those passwords. Yeah. Uh, now that you can just look up hashes against.
2: Okay. Um, yeah. So but, it's not hard to do. There, there's no great barrier to do. No, that there these is days. no great
0: technical barrier to do this. This is a simple technical solution that Steve is talking about. So I think he's right. Yeah. It's not hard
2: uh timing wise it's interesting uh just today over on the cyberwire podcast uh i was talking about some of the pushback that 23 and me has gotten uh with their statement that they have no responsibility for the hack hmm. people are accusing them of victim blaming uh s- similar to what steve is saying yeah um but also stating you know they should have required more robust passwords to start with and, and perhaps
0: require multi-factor authentication there you go <laughs> just by doing that too, that just by saying no, no, you're going to have to have multi-factor authentication. You yeah. could have stopped this attack in its tracks.
2: Yeah, I well, I think the good news is I think we're headed that way. You know, either the requirement of that or things like um, uh, what are they key key pass pass keys pass keys. That's the word I'm looking for. I wanted to say key phrases. That's not right. <laughs> pass, pass keys. Yeah. So, but so many combinations. We're going to be saying words. that
0: word later in the show too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, uh, thank you, Steve, for writing in. We got another uh, piece of email here from Michael who said, uh, Happy New Year, gents. Hope you had a safe and relaxing festive season. I did. I I did as well. (laughs) He says, not only is it the season for missed package delivery scams, but also for increased interstate travel and encounters with toll roads, Hmm. which brings me to the point of my email. My wife and I traveled to visit family, and as we entered a toll road— She said she'll get a scam unpaid toll SMS pretty soon. Sure enough, a few minutes later, it came through. The fact she got the SMS so quickly got me curious. I'm trying to eliminate variables to narrow down what could be triggering them and wondering whether you have any thoughts. The vehicle is registered in her name and the e-tag, the toll pass, in my name. So in in, um, Michael's name. Uh, I suspect it's either triggered by the license plate being scanned as we pass through the toll or her mobile phone location being detected on that section of the road. I don't think it has anything to do with the e-tag, as I don't get an SMS. Uh, Given the short time frame, I expect live license plate data is a less likely source than mobile phone location. I'll take note of whether she gets an SMS when I pass through tolls with her, which should rule that out. I'll contact the toll operator if she still gets them. Uh, He says, my wife is pretty diligent about location data permissions. We'll try to eliminate different things hopefully isolate what is sharing her live data with these scammers. All the best for 2024, Michael. I I got this yesterday. That's a weird one. It is. And I have to say, I spent some time trying to puzzle through this. You went down
0: the rabbit hole, did you?
2: I did. Okay. (laughs) And uh, I... So the first thing I tried to determine was how easy is it to buy... um, people's personal information correlated to their license plates. Right. Right. Because, as you know, you can buy information on people for just about anything. Sure. Um, and it didn't seem to be that easy to do. Now, license plate scanning is a part of most professional-level security systems these days. Like, it's it's an option you can buy. Yeah, for, they have
0: ALP—automatic license plate readers. Right. ALPRs.
2: Right. And you'll see, uh, like I know in our community, uh, several of the police cars have those yeah. built in.
0: I always get um, a warm, fuzzy feeling when I'm driving by those guys. <laughs> but I've also seen
2: them for parking enforcement. Like, down at the University of Maryland, they have them. that drive through the parking yep. lots and, and read license plates. And there are private companies who do that uh, to just gather the information of where— People are, but also for uh, private security and things like that. Um, I tend not to think that that's what is at play here. Um, I suspect that it is just some rogue app that she has on her phone that's uh, doing some kind of uh, geofencing. And when it gets pinged with her location as being within the confines of a toll road, it just triggers a text being sent to her.
0: I think that's the more likely option. Yeah, that's uh, what I think. But... The other, the other less likely option that is still possible is somebody has penetrated a uh, a state system. Yeah, and they have access to your information. Right. And they're laying low. They're just reading the uh, the events as they come across the wire. Mm-hmm. And because they have access to the system, they know your cell phone number or your wife's cell phone number. Um and. Did Michael say that his wife is the one that has the account? He has the eTag account. He has the e-tag so, so he account. has the
2: eTag account. Yeah, she's the one getting the SMS. She's the messages. one getting
0: the SMS. Okay, so yeah, then it's probably not that because then he would get it anytime it happens. So I'll tell you how you suss this out, Michael. Okay, I have a theory too, but I want to hear yours. Go uh, ahead. Well, my theory is that it's an app on the phone. So yep. leave your wife at home <laughs> with her phone. Okay, and go on the go on the same toll road and see if she gets a, a text, a scam text message. If she doesn't, you've isolated it to your wife.
2: Right. Well, yes. I have another I have another way to do it. Okay. Where his wife still gets to come along. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would be, if they want to test this, go on the toll road where they know that she gets messaged, right? Before they go on the trip, either leave her phone at home right. or turn it off. So that it's not able to ping back her location of mm. being within the confines of... This yeah, being geofence, geofence right. right. And so if they drive through that area and then either when they're long away from that area, she turns on her phone and there's no SMS or they get home and she, she checks the phone and there's no SMS, that means that it was probably the phone. the phone being geotagged. Right. That's my guess.
0: I'm thinking that they live in a state like Maryland where I can just go down to the ICC yeah. the inner county connector Dave right and hop on it and and see if yeah you know I mean that would be a short trip for me to do yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah well
2: Michael uh good testing and right. let us know how it goes I'd like to know <laughs> I like to know what this is <laughs> right right and if anybody if any of our listeners know what this is if you if you have some behind the scenes information uh that's more than the same sort of educated guessing that we're doing uh, we'd love to hear from you as well uh, you got one other bit of business here you want to yeah. uh, address before we jump into our stories here, Joe. What do you got,
0: Dave? I, I left—I forgot the i left my tinfoil hat at home, <laughs> but I really wanted to bring it in today. Okay, because something really weird happened at home today. Oh, so for Christmas, my my son gave my wife a hexclad pan. Yes, are you familiar with hexclad? I am. It's Gordon Ramsay pitches it.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a premium cooking. Uh, system, but right. a pan. So it's supposed to be quite nice. It, yes,
0: I cooked something with it tonight, today, yep. rather. I made my wife a, a a fried egg sandwich. I don't know if you've right. ever had those. Sure, pretty good. Sure. Uh, it's okay. Okay. I'm not in love with it yet. I don't know. But my big thing about cooking systems mm-hmm. is, uh, or pots and pans, is what you pay for them versus how long they last. Okay. Uh, like, do you remember T-Fall? T-Fall was all the rage back in the early 90s, late sure. 90s. Uh, we bought some, or we actually got some of that as a gift. And three years later, it was unusable. Mm. And, and I'm pontificating about this to my wife. I said, we really don't know because we only have one of these pans. These pans are not cheap, yeah. right? They're pretty expensive. I said, I won't know how good, of this, how good of a value this is until I've used this thing for a year or two later. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Now, I'm I'm saying this to my wife out loud. So, okay. you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> yes, of course because, I do. <laughs> because I go upstairs and I get a phone call from my wife and my wife goes, I just got a Facebook ad for Hexclad after a year. Mm. Now, it's really weird that we're talking about Two specific things here we're talking about a product, mm-hmm. okay? Well, maybe we do all this stuff about uh maybe we do this research about maybe my son did the research about hexclad on the uh on the on the same network they know in the house that we have in a hexclad sure. one hexclad pot, but how do they know that we were just talking about the time that this stuff is good
2: so yeah you understand here the ad had something to do with being time based.
0: It had it, it is your Hexclad still good after a year or after a year of using Hexclad?
2: Huh. And what were they trying to sell you?
0: That well it was it was uh it was like one of those viral marketing people, but it was from the Hexclad people. It was a Facebook ad with a video. Yeah. From Hexclad and they're saying it still works great after a year. Wow. That's oddly specific, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, really right, oddly right, specific. Right. <laughs> like, enough for my wife to call me and go, you're not yeah. going to believe this. Right. But here's the ad. She sent me the ad, and I'm like, that's yeah. weird. Now, if, Well, now, when, now you've
2: reinforced it by right, viewing it.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, of course.
2: <laughs> right. I mean,
0: now it's not a valid— you can't do any more valid experiments right. on it. If, if the like,
2: ad said, uh, is your hex clad still good after a year, Joe and Lisa? <laughs> right. <laughs> Then, then I would be convinced that something was going on. But I,
0: I and and there's a part of me that goes uh, that you know that says, you know, I know this isn't the case. I because I, I I get on there and I start googling, I start looking around, and everybody's like, no, 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 it's not. They're not listening to you. It's much scarier than that because yeah, they're able to predict your stuff. But Dave, I can't imagine an ad campaign. I know.
2: I, I mean, it's. I've experienced the same thing, Joe. Oh, I, I, I talked about this on Grumpy Old Geeks a few weeks ago. Did you? Yeah, I had basically the same thing happened. It was uh, d- I was uh, driving to work every day. I saw uh, one of these uh, self-contained like video surveillance units that has it's like a trailer that they sit in the median of the road. Has a bunch of solar panels and like a mast that goes up with a bunch of cameras at the top. And oh, they use them you know, they use them for traffic surveys. They use them for security in parking lots. Yep. You know, all sorts of different uses. And I was driving by it every day for about a week and thinking to myself, huh, that's interesting. I wonder what they're using that for. Is it for a traffic survey? Is it for security? You know, I don't know. But every day I'd drive by and I'd see this thing and it would be there and I'd wonder about it because it was out of the ordinary. And then uh, I logged on to Facebook and there was an ad for one of them. Hmm. And I went what? <laughs> because, I mean they, I had n- I like I hadn't I hadn't but you hadn't said anything. No, about I hadn't it. said anything. So now I'm convinced Facebook's reading my mind. Right. Um, <laughs> that's far less likely. Yeah, so and then listening in on you. But what is most likely as I thought about it was uh, s- this company who sells these things put it in, put in an ad with Facebook and said, we want to put our product in front of security professionals. Right. And that's me, yes. right? I mean, I'm certainly tagged as that. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not like a, a mall cop or anything, but, <laughs> but you could legitimately tag me as a, a profile, as being someone who works in the security arena. So it's probably no more complicated than that, combined with the... Um, What's the, what's the, the syndrome where you think, you know, you, you see things, but you get reminded of things. What is it? Um, Paranoia? No, no, no. That's when you see faces. Right. Um, something bar, um, I forget. Anyway, we talked about it on Grumpy Old Geek. So go look up the, the, I'm sure our listeners are yelling at their, their, (laughs) their devices now saying it's, and, uh, it's that. Yes, you are correct. It is that. (laughs) That is the thing that it is. It's the, the, yeah. Um, yeah. It's the thing where you know if you buy a car, uh, all of a sudden you see lots of cars that are the same model that. Yeah, you Yeah, it's it's, it's very sort of,
0: similar to figure ground per- perception.
2: Yeah, right. That, when you anyway, hear it, when
0: you hear your name in a crowd, you you always hear it.
2: Right. So it, yeah. It, so it's now the other part of this is that in the past month there was the story about the um, advertising agency that was advertising being able to sell their Customers the ability to listen to conversations to covertly listen to conversations. Ah, um, uh, I missed this story. <laughs> yeah, you're probably better for it.
0: <laughs> yes, actually, now I'm going to go look that up. Yeah, and, and discuss it with my wife when I get home. Yeah, and go. This is why. Uh, and I think
2: uh, like the folks at uh, 404 Media, you know, Joseph Cox, the, the 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 usual suspects who dig into these sorts of things tried to follow up on it and and pretty much decided that it was a bit of overreach that they were bragging about things that they really couldn't do. I see. Um, So take that for what it's worth. But I'm still not convinced that there are any devices that are actually listening to our conversations for advertising purposes, mainly because they don't need to. And it's far easier for them to do other things. And our brains are such pattern matching machines that... It, they ignore the unusual and they latch on to the or Correct. they ignore the usual and latch on to the unusual
0: but this was particularly anom- anomalous I I'll
2: i'm say. T- i'm I, i'm
0: believe me i know how that feels talking about a specific brand of pot mm-hmm. concerned about the longevity of the pot yeah and then within 10 minutes an ad like that shows up on my wife's phone after i've been loudly pontificating about it
2: yeah yeah I'm with you, man. (laughs) I don't have an
0: explanation. You know how I loudly pontificate about things.
2: Well, it could have been your neighbor's phone that was being listened to, (laughs) Joe. Oh, wow, (laughs) Joe's really talking about this. Better send this out to Lisa. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. All right. Uh, Well, let's move on to some stories here. Uh, You have our first one. Why don't you kick things off for us? Yeah, my
0: story comes from Sarah Al-Arshani at USA Today. Mm. And we're talking about virtual kidnapping. Yes. Now, Dave, kidnapping has a lot of overhead with it, right? (laughs) First, you have to go out and find somebody. Right. Then you have to get a bag to stuff them into, Mm -hmm. a white van that says free candy on the side. Sure, free hugs. Right? Mm -hmm. But what if we could get rid of all of that stuff as bad guys and just have a virtual kidnapping where we convince somebody to behave as if they've been kidnapped and then tell tell his family that we have ran- them and we need ransom money. Yes. Well, that is what has happened. <laughs> uh, the latest victim is in the news right now. His name is uh, Kai. I'm probably going to butcher this last name because it's a Chinese last name. Kai Zheong.
2: Yeah, Zhang, I think. Kai, Kai Zhang. Yeah.
0: He's a 17-year-old exchange student. I'm going to start this off. Kai is fine. Everybody's fine. Yeah. Nobody's gotten hurt. Yeah. Which is great. But here's how it works. Uh, Kai is in the United States. He is away from his family. Yep. And someone uh, gets in touch with Kai and these bad guys scare him to the point where they say, but what, the way they scare him is they say, somebody's going to harm your family if you don't do what I say. Right. Right. Don't try to contact them. Right. First thing they do is isolate him. Um, and uh, they instruct him then to go and hide somewhere and isolate himself. Don't, co- don't talk to your family back home or they will get harmed. And also, while you're there take some pictures of yourself and send them to us, mm-hmm. right? Now that, in this case, Kai has been sequestered away from his family, is hiding out somewhere in the wilderness, mm-hmm. uh, they contact Kai's family and say, we have your son here in the United States. Right. And here's a picture of him to prove it, right? So and they send they sent him the picture of Kai.
2: Out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Which is where he is.
0: Right. The family tries to contact Kai. First thing they try to do. but because Kai has been told, don't answer the phone, he doesn't answer the phone. Mm-hmm. So as far as the family is concerned, he's not responding.
2: Right, and they, and they contact the family that he's staying with.
0: Right, and, and they say, where is he? And they're like, we can't find him. Right. Right, he's, he's missing. He ran, what, it, what it looks like is he ran away. So these, these folks in China sent these, uh, these, these virtual kidnappers around 80 grand, Yeah, uh, which is a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, I guess I don't have to say that, but it's still a lot of money. Now, I want to talk about this in general because the FBI has been tracking these kind of scams for about 20 years now. Really? Yep. In 19, or not 19, geez. Every time I start a date, Dave, I start with the 1900s (laughs) because that's when I was born. Born in the Uh mid-1900s. In 2013 and 2015, FBI agents in L.A., were uh, aware of a scheme that was targeting Spanish speakers. Okay. Right? Uh, The calls were coming from a Mexican prison. Huh. And what was happening was these guys would bribe a guard, get a cell phone, and they'd know the general area they were going to call because of the area code and, and exchange, the first three digits. Yeah. And then they'd just randomly dial numbers. Okay. Until they got a hold of somebody. And try to scare the uh, scare the crap out of them and convince them to send money. Right. Uh, if you're sitting in a prison, you, I imagine you have nothing but time.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: So if you can if you can bribe a guard to, to give you a cell phone and let you use that cell phone for some period of time, and you can do this and make make a profit while you're sitting in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, they were contacting uh, just Spanish speaking people, but then they moved on to just cold calling with the system I just described. Hmm. It seems now they're really targeting exchange students, though, and particularly uh, Chinese exchange students. Hmm. I don't know why uh, they're targeting Chinese exchange students over anything else. Maybe because there's some kind of ease of moving money or maybe because there's some kind of way to get access to the information or maybe because Chinese exchange students are very common in this uh, Yeah, coming to the United States. I know uh, a couple of people who have hosted Chinese exchange students.
2: The story I saw on this and the coverage we had over on CyberWire um, pointed out that the $80,000 went from the family in China to a Chinese bank. To a bank. Chinese
0: bank account. Right? Right,
2: right, right. Which made me suspect that this scheme is being run from China.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, if If that's the case, I think that China has some pretty good control over the banking system, mm. right? <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, <laughs> so... There's very little in China that China doesn't have very good control over. <laughs>
0: right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to know. Well, I mean, we'll never know, but it'd be interesting to find out what happens to these guys. Right. Uh, Eighty thousand dollars is a lot of money, and uh, I know that China China is a big law and order kind of country. Sure. Um, and uh, and when when they're when they're tough on crime that they don't like, you know, it, they're really tough on it. Yeah. So. Um, what can you do to, to protect yourself in this? I, we all have to have code words now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is not just for uh, these kind of scams, but for other scams, like the ones that you and I are really subject to yeah. of the deep fakes of the voice. Oh, right. 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 Uh, so I've told my family, I've actually gone out and made the, made the initial conversation to everybody and said, look, I'm never going to call you and ask you for money. If I'm going to need money, I'm going to show up in person and ask for it.
2: <laughs> right.
0: I didn't say I'm never going to ask for money though. No. Right. But I'll be there in person.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what you might ask for is cab fare right. or a, a free Uber. Right. A free to get Uber. there to ask for the money. Yeah. Right.
0: I need. I need money. I need right. an Uber to get down there. Right. Um, right. So. Huh.
2: Yeah, I will. I'll say. Um, as you said at the outset, the good news here is that no one was hurt, right. and uh, they and got they got him back.
0: They they found Kai. They he was isolating in a valley in just a tent, yeah. in really cold temperatures. Right. Uh, so these guys didn't really care about what happened to Kai. No, I didn't care that he was miserable and in danger of hypothermia. But no, he's fine. He he did not. He was not hurt. Yeah, my cold. favorite
2: my favorite part of this story is that after they got him and they made sure he was okay and a, he wants a, a little, hamburger. Yeah, they did <laughs> right? a little med check and what did what did he want most? Hamburger. He wanted a hamburger.
0: A warm hamburger.
2: A warm hamburger. Yeah. Yeah. They got it for him. Yep. They did. They did. All right, interesting story. Um, My story this week is actually uh, a scam that has been polluting my Facebook feed for the past couple of weeks.
0: (laughs) Aren't you glad you're back, Dave?
2: (laughs) I was just going to say the same thing, Joe. Like, I cannot tell you how often Facebook makes me angry. Like, (laughs) and you know me, I'm not—
0: You're a very calm, even-keeled person.
2: I'm not a person who— Leans toward anger. You are not. I would
0: describe you as as a <laughs> as a kind and gentle person. Right. I I don't think I've ever seen you angry. I've seen you irritated once or twice. Yeah, but, but not, not angry. Yeah.
2: So, uh, when something like this comes by once or twice, and I report it and I block it, <laughs> right. and then it keeps showing up over <laughs> and over and over again. This works on Dave. It makes me angry. Right. So. So here's the scam. Uh, You are scrolling through Facebook, minding your own business, and you notice that you have been tagged in someone else's post. And so you go, you look at the post, and one of your friends has posted uh, a link with an image. It looks like a video clip, like something straight from YouTube. Uh, There's a logo in the corner that says BBC News. Yep. It's a picture of uh, several law enforcement officers standing in front of what looks like a very serious car accident. Yep. And it says, fatal road accident in the highway takes several lives. And the friend of yours who posted this, they've posted, I can't believe he is gone. I'm going to miss him so much, along with a string of prying emojis.
0: Right. Now, let me ask you, This this shows up on your feed?
2: uh actually, the person the the first time no, no, I have not been tagged personally on this, but I have seen friends of mine tagged the the image that I grabbed here and put in our show notes, uh-huh, the person who was tagged here that's my cousin, okay, so a family member was tagged, and uh that's what it is so. What do you suppose happened? Well, first, let, let's unpack the scam here, Joe. Do, what, what, do you, what, do you, what are the things in play here that are triggering someone to respond to this?
0: Well, immediately, it's obviously a terrible car accident that's being covered by BBC News, which means it's of international report, right? Or re- reporting worthiness. Right. It says on the side, state trooper, which implies to me that it's a United States event. Yep. So um, the this person here... Who is saying this? I can't believe he's gone. I'm going to miss him so much. I'm the first thing is, I'm like, oh my gosh, what has happened?
2: Information gap, right. right? There's an information gap. Yes. Um, and this is this is uh, again, um, it's another thing that makes me angry. Joe is <laughs> <laughs> the information gap. This is the. You won't believe this one weird trick, oh, right? Yeah. It's the the clickbait and the and the, yeah and the YouTubers uh, particularly are terrible about this. Oh, you God. know, here's the one thing that you need to know about your Apple Watch to make sure you don't die, right? Like, S- w- what's the thing? What's the thing? I must know the Stay thing Stay all the way with me till the <laughs> end, and I'll tell you. Right, exactly. <sighs> so they it, evidently the term of art for that is information gap, and it is very good at manipulating people to do things you want them to do. And that's what they're doing here. They don't say who's dead. Right. But it says fatal road accident takes several lives. So, oh my gosh, someone I know, someone I love must be dead. Uh, It's not just a story. There's a picture from the accident. And it's so big, the BBC covered it. Uh, If you look at the URL.
0: Yeah. The URL says BBC News dash some random number of letters dash another random set of letters and numbers dot XYZ. Right but
2: for so it's not for unsophisticated users they're just going to stop after BBC news right <laughs> they're going to say that looks legit to me
0: yeah well i mean it, it even looks like it has a big uh red youtube button right in the middle of it exactly like i think i'm just going to youtube right so it's a scam all the way down from yes. from beginning to end it is a
2: scam um if you click on this, and and I uh, I took the bullet and I clicked on it, I spun <laughs> up a secure browser and okay. an isolated thing, and and I clicked on it, um, and uh, it goes to the website gainprizesnow.life. Mm. That doesn't sound at all scammy, no. does it, Joe? <laughs> no. Oh, <not> <laughs> well, I, I instantly forgot about my dead friend,
0: and now we want some prizes. Well, I
2: thought about that, right? Yeah. I thought about like how you're priming someone with this emotional thing, and then. What, they're going to go totally switch gears and, and be happy about the potential of winning some prize? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's happening here is they're just click farming. So they have ah. found somebody who will pay them to deliver traffic. Right. And they're using this scam to just deliver worthless traffic. Right. And they're collecting money on that. Yes. Now, the other part of this that makes me angry is how much I have seen this over the past couple weeks. It huh. is popping up over and over and over
0: again. I can't help wondering. <laughs> why can, can I guess? Go what, ahead. You're going you can't help wondering why Facebook hasn't stopped this? Yes. I I know why, Dave.
2: Well, let me just finish my sentence okay. here. So Facebook obviously To do some sort of image mapping with this, it's the same picture every single time, right? Right. So Facebook certainly has the capability to detect this image and block it.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it's called, uh, 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 it's uh, neural hashing. Okay. For these, I can't remember exactly what the term of art is. Yeah. But essentially, it's like Microsoft has one of these things uh, that they use, it's for identifying CSAM images.
2: Okay. Right?
0: Uh, because if you change a small feature of an image, the hash will be radically different. Okay. So Microsoft has come up with a way and Apple has a way to do it too. That yeah. Apple uses neural hashing technique that will hash the image such that the hash will be similar or the same if the image looks similar or the same. Mm-hmm. Right. So I am sure Facebook has this capability. Yeah. They could stop this image or stop this ad from happening. By using a technique like this. Right. It is absolutely 100% technically possible. Yes. But they don't. But they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the big question is, why?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, answer number one is engagement, which is Facebook's North Star. Right. Because engagement is how they sell ads. But
0: Dave, people are clicking on these links. Yeah. I mean, if, if Facebook shows you an ad and you don't click on it, they make a little bit of money. But if you click on an ad that they've shown you, they make a lot of money.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not sure this is an ad, though. I think this is, I think this is someone's account has been hijacked. Ah, okay. And they've, so they've hacked someone's account they've and they're using that account. person's account to post these. I see. And I thought this was an ad. And then they're tagging all of that person's friends.
0: You're right. I lost the bubble on this one. Yeah. Because yeah. you're right. You can't be tagged by an ad company.
2: Right. So that's what's going on. Um, and that just, you know, again, Facebook's not looking out for your best interest.
0: No, they are not. No. So,
2: I'm going to calm down
0: now. <laughs> Dave, is that a blood pressure monitor I see on the other side it, of you? It, it actually is, Joe.
2: It actually is. Uh, I'd like you know, to take your blood pressure take before an extra, and after we do yeah, one of these stories. Take an extra pill here and just uh, calm down. Think about, uh, I don't know, Sitting by the ocean with a cool cool breeze blowing through my hair
0: and the warm sun on my face. Drinking but, a Mexican beer that Tony Romo has handed you.
2: There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, keep an eye out for this um, and spread the word with your friends. I, I think knowing about this technique is helpful as well. There's Anytime you see this this information gap, um, I, you know, I remember uh, actually the first time I ever fell for a scam like this was probably a decade ago. It was, it was before you and I were doing the show, and we've been doing right. the show a while. Yep. Um, and it was uh, someone sent me a text message that said something like, uh, I can't believe this is you in this video. Right. And have- that was all it took. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is this you in this video?
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. So, <sighs> lesson learned the hard way.
0: Right. Uh, you know, it, I have, I'm with you on this. It's very maddening. Yeah. Uh, the the picture, you're right. Facebook could stop this. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah. Uh, the person who has lost control of their account here will probably never get it back. Nope. Uh, Facebook probably will not help them with that. That person is left screaming into the void. Right. Um, <laughs> probably have to start a new Facebook account. Uh, use multi-factor authentication on your Facebook account. Uh, if you are so inclined and I've done this, make it so that nobody can tag you in a Facebook post without your permission. Yeah. You have to be approved for all the ta- all the tagging. Yeah. Like, Dave, you can't go in there and put a picture of me up and tag me in it without me approving it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, those are our stories
2: uh, for this week. Uh, we are running a little bit long today, so I'm going to say that the catch of the day is still on holiday We're going to skip over the cash of the day this week. We'll have one for you uh, next time. Uh, Coming up next, uh, our author, uh, Frank Riccardi, will join us talking about password reuse. We will have that right after this message from our sponsor. talking about making users into an asset for security professionals. Simply put, users want to do the right thing. They're often just lacking the knowledge to do so. That's one of the reasons KnowBefore has released Security Coach, a real-time security coaching tool that takes alerts from your existing security stack and sends immediate coaching to users who've taken risky actions. For example, Imagine a user has visited a high-risk website or tried to open a document containing malware. Existing security tools will likely block that action, but the user might not understand why. Security Coach analyzes these alerts and provides users with relevant security tips via email or Slack, coaching them on why the action they just took was risky. Help users learn from their mistakes and strengthen your organization's security culture with Security Coach. Learn more about Security Coach at Nobefore.com slash security coach. That's Nobefore.com slash security coach. I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Frank Riccardi. He is the author of the book "Mobilizing the C Suite: Waging War Against Cyber Attacks." Uh, our conversation uh, really centers uh, on this notion of password reuse. Here's my conversation with Frank Riccardi.
1: I think one of the most famous examples of password reuse and credential stuffing—it's the infamous Colonial Pipeline cyber attack. If there's anyone In case you want to know about credential stuffing and reused passwords, uh, Colonial Pipeline is it. So let me set the uh, table for your listeners. Colonial Pipeline is a mammoth pipeline operator. They have 5,500 miles of pipeline along the East Coast of the United States. So the pipeline stretches from literally from Texas all the way to Maine. And in May of 2021, uh, Colonial Pipeline was hit with a really bad cyber attack it was a ransomware cyber attack and what happened is during the height of the pandemic you know the worst time for a cyber attack cyber criminals injected ransomware into the billing systems of colonial pipeline now what happened is at the time the leaders of colonial pipeline freaked out because they didn't know it was just hitting the billing systems they thought it could hit the pipeline systems so out of an abundance of caution they shut down the pipeline along the east coast now the pipeline was shut down for nearly a week along the east coast of the United States. So people couldn't get gas, they couldn't fill up their cars, and if they could get gas, it was at enormous uh, prices per gallon. So it was, a, it was a really big cyber attack that eventually changes the zeitgeist of how people in the United States view ransomware. Further setting the table, uh, the cyber criminals were a gang called Darkside. They were sponsored by Russia, a nation-state threat actor, And the cyber criminals were actually inside the network for eight weeks, uh, rummaging around, taking their time, getting the lay of the land. They stole 100 gigabytes of data, and then they encrypted the network with ransomware. Now, ultimately, Colonial Pipeline paid ransom. Uh, They paid uh, about $4.4 million in Bitcoin to get the decryption key to unencrypt the network. But Uh, It was also a big breach. They ended up sending out breach notice letters to 6,000 employees, mostly their employees. But for the purposes of of hacking humans, I'd like to describe a little bit uh, how the cyber attack came about and why it was so successful. So uh, Colonial Pipeline during the pandemic, like many companies, let their employees work remote and set up VPNs for them. One of their employees left the organization, left Colonial Pipeline, got a job somewhere else. And Colonial Pipeline made a big mistake, and the big mistake was a lot of companies, when an employee leaves the organization, they terminate that employee's access to systems. In this case, however, Colonial Pipeline never closed that VPN, and it remained open and live, even though the employee left the organization. Now, it's believed that the employee was reusing that VPN password for another online account. And it's believed that, uh, perhaps nobody knows how, but perhaps DarkSide may have purchased that stolen, reused password on the dark web. But however they got it, they stuffed the password into the VPN and it worked. So it essentially was a credential stuffing attack. And another mistake that Colonial Pipeline made is that they didn't protect that VPN with multi-factor authentication. Now, they've, had they done that, the Colonial Pipeline cyber attack never would have happened because DarkSide wouldn't have had that one-time numeric code to get in. So not having MFA was a big mistake. And this is why it's changed the zeitgeist in the United States. Uh, What happened was there were congressional hearings, uh, there's investigative reporting, politicians are getting involved, and the public finds out how the cyber attack happened and they're furious. Uh, And so what's happened now since Colonial Pipeline Even though people and politicians and regulators are angry and mad at cyber criminals, if the cyber attack was successful because a company failed to take basic cyber hygiene into account or failed to implement the basic cybersecurity control, like maybe they they did not enable MFA, they did not close old defunct VPNs, or maybe they didn't install patches, whatever it is, if it's basic cyber hygiene flaw, the public is now just as angry at the C-suite leaders and the company as they are at the cyber criminals.
2: What about for the individual at home, you know, who's saying to themselves, well, you know, that, that's a big organization and shame on them, but, you know, here I am just minding my own business at home, using my email, the various things I log into. Surely nobody's interested in me.
1: Well, uh, they are interested in you. In fact, 23 and me recently came out uh notifying people of a breach. And they're saying that the breach wasn't you know, affecting their system. It wasn't a network hack. They're saying that their users, their customers, uh, they believe were reusing their passwords for other online accounts. Uh, and the cyber criminal, I think he calls himself the hacker golem, uh, allegedly um, just got in there through a credential stuffing attack. So, you know, if you use 23andMe, um, if you use any kind of online account, uh, and you have a password, no matter how strong it is, if you're using that password somewhere else, that other account could get breached, it could get sold on the dark web, and then your other accounts uh, that you're reusing that password are at risk.
2: You know, I, I was at an event recently and I was sitting next to someone, and, and I don't recall how, but somehow the topic of passwords came up, and and this person uh, was very proud to share with me that they have a system where you know they use a, a base password and then they vary it in different ways for different places that they log into, and I paused and I listened, um, and I'm curious. You know, I, I suspect your response to that would be similar to mine. What, what would your response to someone uh, thinking that a system is a good way to go?
1: According to the latest in cybersecurity research, and Dave, you've probably heard this before. A lot of cybersecurity researchers they don't believe. Resetting your password. Companies require password resets every 90 days, and what happens is, is most employees, instead of resetting the entire password, a completely new password, they just reset uh, one part of it. So, if your password is tangle bangle dangle, they'll just put an exclamation point at the end of it. So, and that's not really effective, but you know, it's what people do. It's the human factor. It's the weakest link in cybersecurity. And if if your colleague is just using a base password, for all his or her accounts, and then just changing one piece of it here and there, they're still reusing their password. I mean, believe me, cyber criminals understand the human factor. And when they're coming up with, you know, their, their password cracking methodology, they take all of that into account. So uh, you really need to change the entire password. It needs to be a unique password for each of your accounts. And humans are not designed and built to remember a hundred passwords. You know, we're not uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, and we're not computers, but we can use password managers. And one password is a good password manager. KeyPass is a good password manager. Um, but you can use password managers, and that's a lot less risky than um, you know having a base password and only changing a piece of it or reusing your passwords. So you know a lot of people are worried about password managers because of the the LastPass cyber attack, but there are good password managers out there, and I, I highly recommend using them. Can we touch a little bit on
2: on multi-factor authentication? You mentioned that earlier. Um, I mean, that's a really critical part of this as well.
1: It is. Multi-factor authentication is probably uh, the best way to prevent a credential stuffing attack because even if they have your stolen, reused password, if they don't have access or they don't bypass your MFA, if they don't have that one-time numeric password, they can't get out. So it's it's probably... uh, The next best thing to not reusing your password and using strong passwords is to use multi-factor authentication whenever you can. And obviously, the best one is is when you're using an authenticator app because you want to be careful when you use the text base on your cell phone because SIM jacking is getting to be a big problem again. And SIM jacking is one way that cyber criminals can bypass a multi-factor authentication. So an authenticator app is the best way to go. But still, you know, text-based MFA is better than no MFA. Can you describe to us what SIM jacking is? Yeah, so SIM jacking is when you have a cell phone and you have a SIM card. Uh, it can be a physical SIM card or an e-SIM card. And what happens is a cyber criminal will contact your uh, cell phone carrier. It uh, could be um, AT&T, for example, and they will contact AT&T or they'll go to the AT&T store and they will pretend to be you. And they can find out information from you, maybe by social media or whatever, but they'll impersonate you, and they'll have a sob story, and they'll say, I lost my phone, or I need an upgrade, and they'll trick AT&T employees to transfer the the SIM card to their device. Now, once that happens, all calls and texts go to them, and they don't go to you. Now, the beauty of installing um, an authenticator app on your cell phone, that resides on your cell phone, so that doesn't get taken in a SIM jacking attack. But all your calls and all your texts would. So text-based MFA uh, would be bypassed. And Dave I'll also tell you cyber criminals, they don't just have to impersonate you. Um, they might blackmail a customer service rep or they must might bribe them and pay them Bitcoin and that's, that's happened in the past. So so that's an example of simjacking. What do you
2: say to the person who, who makes the case that um, you know if I use a password manager, uh, and someone breaks into that, and they, then they have everything.
1: You bet. That's, that's the one problem. Uh, a password manager is a single point of failure. Now, uh, one couple ways around that. If you have a password manager like 1Password or LastPass, and that's in the cloud, and they've both had breaches, but 1Password seems to, seems to have handled it more transparently than LastPass. But first of all, if you have a cloud-based password manager, you just need to have a plan if there's ever a breach, to migrate all your passwords out of there and change them and either do it into a non-cloud-based password like KeyPass, or just have a plan. Now, if you don't want to do that because you're like, ah, I don't trust the cloud-based password managers, but I, I personally trust one password. I don't trust LastPass. But, but if you don't trust any of them, KeePass is good. That's not in the cloud. But if you're not a geek, if you're a non-geek user, it's pretty clunky and it can be hard to use. And then another option that you can do, you can put your passwords in an Excel file. You can save the Excel file to an encrypted computer and then in, let's say a laptop, and then in your laptop, you can put it in another encrypted file. So it's doubly encrypted. And between the laptop encryption and then the encrypted file, which you can also hide, it's pretty safe. And then you want a couple of backups. So you want to put them on maybe a, a, a couple of uh, encrypted jump drives, but that's an option if you're really worried about, you know, the single point of failure. You you can keep them on your own laptop and, and on your jump drives, but um, but again, you'd have to encrypt your laptop and put them in a file.
2: I've also made the case. I am curious what you think about this. Of. Of saying that you know, with your password manager, if you're going to use a hardware key anywhere, perhaps that's the the best place to do it.
1: Ah, uh, probably. I would. I mean, you're right. If 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 there's any single point of failure, it's your password manager. And you know, if that gets compromised, and and if you don't have a backup plan, or you don't know what to do about it, or if you can't do anything about it, then you're in a lot of trouble. So yeah, I mean, you you definitely want to put a lot of effort into securing your password manager. And that's certainly one way to do
2: it. You know, we've seen some talk about uh, some developments, things like passkeys that are are hoping to make the username-password combination a a thing of the past. Are you hopeful that we're headed in that direction, that we're going to have solutions that are a bit easier for consumers and, and other folks to use?
1: Yes, I think uh, passwordless authentication is the future. I have that right now with uh, Microsoft. My, my Microsoft operating system is passwordless, and I, I absolutely love it. I think Google's coming out with one uh, in the near future. To be quite honest, Dave, we need to take, and this is probably controversial, we need to take cybersecurity out of the hands of the user as best we can because the human factor is the weakest link. And as long as users have passwords, they're going to be reusing them. They're going to get stolen. They'll get fished and tricked in a social engineering attack. And yes, I realize the argument is, but if we have passwordless authentication and Microsoft gets hacked, we're really in trouble. And so there's a single point of failure. But I still think with users, you have millions of points of failure. And so I, I, And I just have a lot of faith in Apple and Google and Microsoft, even though they've got hacked and they've had their issues, uh, I just have a lot of faith that they're they're doing the right thing. They're they're trying to come up with good security and uh, and Microsoft. Uh, I'm very happy with the passwordless uh, authentication that I have, so I think that's the that's definitely the future.
0: Joe, what do you think? Interesting. Colonial Pipeline was technically a credential stuffing attack. Mm, mm-hmm. um, the attackers were in that network for eight weeks. They gathered 100 gigabits of data or gigabytes of data. Yep. Um, it's interesting to me that they were there for eight weeks and didn't impact the operational technology network. And I wonder why that's the case. Hmm. Is it that the OT security was good enough to keep them out? Or is it that these guys didn't want to go into the OT security? Yeah, they
2: might not have wanted to draw attention to themselves, perhaps.
0: Right. Yeah. Now, they may not have wanted to um, do a physical attack on a cyber-physical system. Yeah. Right? Could have just been espionage. Yeah, because it could have just been espionage. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Colonial never closed the VPN access for the formal employee, former employee. Yep. Uh, and they had no requirement for multi-factor authentication on the VPN. So it's like a cascade, not really a cascade, but like a line of failure
2: here. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you, have, you have the employee reusing a password, which you really don't have any control over. Right. And then you have the failure of policy where you don't immediately revoke all access to terminated employees. And then you have the failure in policy where you don't require multi-factor authentication for a VPN when you're accessing your own network. That should always be the case. You should have that on everything, uh, I think. That's, you know, if you can, yeah. of course, sometimes you can't, maybe they couldn't, who knows, uh, if I were a colonial pipeline, I would have done it. Mm-hmm. I would have, you know, when, when the pandemic started happening, I would have made sure that was happening. I, I don't know. I like to sit here in armchair quarterback, uh, <laughs> large corporations who have undergone <laughs> right. massive and it's devastating It's easy cyber from the test. cheap seats, right? Joe. <laughs> it is. It is, Dave. It is. And I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that. Um, uh, but uh, Frank talks about people being upset with corporate leadership for these kind of basic cyber failures. I, I say good, mm. you know. If, if there's something here that, that could have uh, made this not possible, you do any of these things, uh, you know, the employee doesn't reuse a password, you disable the employee's account when he leaves, and you require MFA on a VPN, none of this happens. You, right. You, the cyber attack doesn't happen. You know, it's like Rick Howard's always talking about the cyber kill chain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's that you have all these different opportunities to stop this from happening, um, so it's a, a good opportunity. You know, take one of those opportunities. Um, does it matter to you? Yes, it does. Mm. <laughs> and don't don't reuse passwords. The twenty three andme Me breach we talked about uh, last week and earlier in this show. Yeah. Um, and you know we we are also talking about. Possible mitigations for those kind of attacks. Right. Again, there's something, there's a place where multi-factor authentication should have just been the requirement for those kind of that kind of information. If I'm going to store all of my customers' genetic data and give them access to it, they're going to need to use multi-factor authentication to access it. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's just a, I think that's a risk mitigation policy for me because you said that in uh, early on. There are now stories where people are saying. No, 23andMe, you're not without culpability here. Right, right. (laughs) So, I mean, that's that's a very real possibility. Yeah. Um, They're being sued. Yeah, are are they being sued? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, That's interesting. Don't have a system password? I I hear this. I have a system, and I immediately think of the... uh, the, the the gambler who says they have a system,
2: right? right. I, I, let me just interject here. I saw uh, on January first uh, on uh, on social media, so some security professional said, "Happy
0: New Year! Don't forget to increment your passwords." Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now my password is password two thousand twenty four. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, so don't don't have a system. Just let your password manager generate it. Um, yes, a password is a single point of failure, but I use a hardware key to protect mine. Um, Frank talks a lot about KeePass. I use KeePass XC, which is a derivative of KeePass. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have any plugins, which have actually been a source of vulnerabilities for KeePass. Mm. Um, also, KeePass is... Um, KeyPass XC is multi platform, whereas KeyPass is just Windows based. Okay. But uh, you can run KeyPass XC on Apple, Linux, and Windows. So and is that, this
2: an open source project that somebody yeah. forked? Is that yeah, basically what it is? It. Yeah, they
0: forked it. These are okay. both open source projects, I think. Okay. Uh, I know they're free. Got it. Uh, KeyPass is spelled K E E pass, and then put X Ray Charlie XC after the end of that. Yeah. And you get uh, the version that I use. Okay. Uh, enable. Multi-factor authentication, not just on your um, your password safe, but on anything you can. Yeah, that will really protect you against these credential stuffing attacks.
2: All right. Well, again, our thanks to Frank Riccardi for joining us. Uh, the title of the book is "Mobilizing the C Suite: Waging War Against Cyber Attacks." We do appreciate him taking the time for us. We want to thank all of you for listening. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors at know Before. They are experts in helping users do the right thing through new school security awareness training. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. Our thanks to the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. Our executive producer is Jennifer Iben. This show is edited by Trey Hester. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Pittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening.